0: Hello everyone, welcome to Locked On Suns, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Today is always my host, Evan Syers, with my co-host Brendan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at eSire. You can follow Brendan on Twitter at Brennan Clean14. We're joining you after a couple hours with the Igor Kaka- We're gonna say this correctly this time, Igor Kakoshkov, I believe that is the correct pronunciation of his name. And I know we've been saying Kakoshkov, but we had to start saying Kakoshkov instead, because it turns out that accent in the middle of his name actually meant something. So Ryan had done it through us a little curveball there with the pronunciation, but he also there's a lot more intriguing notes to talk about from the press conference as well. So, Brennan, first off, this isn't unrelated to Igor, but your thoughts on the, new, on the new press conference table they have because all of a sudden it was a chipped wood table, but now it's a super nice press conference table.
1: Yeah, they upgraded. Um, and it was in the pavilion instead of smashed into the little tiny media room they're 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 going all out for igor i guess
0: yeah it was pretty cool to see i know all the sun staff members came down and because all of a sudden like me and scott bordeaux were preparing our for the press conference and we see like 500 people behind us so it turns out it was all just sun staff members i came down and watched press conference in the pavilion like you mentioned so we're going to dive into that press conference right now and i know you showed up uh you went to the mercury media day as well you were there for a press conference i was there for the press conference for um for the Suns, and we actually had a chance to talk to Ryan McDonough and James Jones and Igor all one-on-one afterwards for about 10 or so minutes. So we'll dive into all those notes for you right now, but just your immediate reaction to the press conference, because obviously we talked about before, Igor's not going to be a guy like Dave Fizdale who like wins a press conference, so to say, but he really said all of the correct things, and really the main thing I took away from it was about being a young team or an old team. He said it doesn't matter. It's winning teams or losing teams, and that's that's the exact kind of thing that Coach needs to instill in the mentality of the culture, because as I mentioned – or asked him the press is like, how are you going to flip the culture around so fast and really just develop that into a winning culture? And he just mentioned that it's a day-by-day process. Like, you can't overlook things. Like, we're we're building toward June, not the end of April. So that's he, – he had a lot of interesting quotes I really liked. And so what was your reaction to Igor's initial um, press conference with the media?
1: Yeah, I thought that his uh, kind of no-nonsense attitude, I think, locked – David Locke, our guest from a couple weeks ago, alluded to that pretty strongly, and it seemed to be the reputation that Igor had earned throughout his tons of stops over throughout the league, and I think that that shined through right away, and I, I was really excited about that and um, happy that he felt comfortable taking charge in that way right, right away. Um, I think the other thing from my end that I really have already liked about Igor, watching stuff on YouTube from other stops he's made in his basketball career, but also from today, which is just that he's more than happy and willing to, uh, you know, he didn't dive too deep into really anything. I think that's mostly because he hasn't really gotten to work yet. But um, I thought that he he did a good job of getting into X's and O's and really outlining The way that he wants to play and how he thinks it's going to be successful, James Jones did the same, which is obviously great to hear that from a player who is seeing the same things. Um, I think overall just that there's a unanimous agreement upon the style that this team needs or one that they all think could help it. Uh, was nice to hear for once. It's been a while, I
0: think. Oh, well, for sure. After seeing all this, the plotting offenses that Phoenix has had ever since seven seconds or less, it seems like their identity is sort of going back toward, to those sort of roots because they brought back one of the assistants in Igor Kokoschkov. But just your thoughts also, because I, I talked to Randy Dunn about this. We talked to James Jones about afterwards. Just the versatility in the modern day NBA and how ball movement is becoming so emphasized as well. I know when you watch the sets, if you've had the chance to dive in on YouTube and watch Igor Kakoshkov sets, it would notice just so many ball movements, so many dribble drive handoffs, off-ball movement. And Ryan mcdonough he pretty much mimicked it sort of like Golden State in that sort of sense. Do you see a similarity when you watch the Kakashkov sets? And how do you think that offense is going to work in Phoenix? I feel like that's almost a perfect fit for the guys like Devin Booker and Josh Jackson as far as this motion offense. And I think it's going to change a lot of the dynamic for a lot of these players.
1: Yeah, I think it'll change role for sure for a lot of different guys. Um, you know, we won't. It's tough to know exactly. I don't. I, I don't imagine that even Igor knows necessarily exactly what he's gonna do with each guy yet. But it definitely, I think, will be. You'll be asking. You know, you think about what Josh Jackson did, which offensively was was pretty much transition opportunities and isolation. Um, I can't. I think, you just use Jackson as an example, I would imagine his role couldn't be, won't be anywhere near that. It couldn't be further from that when we see him next year. Um, and that's exciting, I think, because that, that that style, the way that they had to play with so little talent, especially toward the end of the season when injuries really hit, um, I, I don't think anyone would have claimed that it was the best way to be playing. And so, like I said before, the ability to have that coherent vision, I think that, To to get more specific with what you were asking about the the ball movement and uh, how we see it winning in a lot of different situations, I think you could even point to Boston too for another. The the Rockets aren't like that, but aren't like that. But I think Boston definitely fits that mold as well. And James Jones put it perfectly in in the press conference when he said that in the Slovenian Slovenia's run to their EuroBasket title in 2017. They had two guys who were going to be finishing the majority of their plays in, in Goran Dragic and Luka Doncic, and the opponent couldn't do anything to stop the ball from getting into those guys' hands in a situation where they were able to make easy shots or create a, an easy shot for their teammate. And the ability to do that when the defense knows what's coming is pretty incredible from a coaching standpoint. Um, and that was, oh, was one of the biggest things that got me excited, was hearing it put that way. I... I feel like especially with a young team where guys maybe aren't yet capable of creating their own shot consistently to have a coach like that, who's building those habits and making it easier on them is going to be really great.
0: Now, one quote I transcribed from the press conference was this is a pretty simple one. I think this might coin a nickname for Igor because he said, my job as a coach is to adjust to what we have. So the ingredients are coming from Ryan. I got to cook for us. So I imagine the chef Igor nickname might be coming to fruition here soon. Just what's your thoughts on him being so versatile and, I feel like just with his coaching style, he's leaving the possibility open for really the entire roster turnover. He's fine with whatever they come with. So I feel like it's a pretty important thing that might be getting overlooked a little bit in this scenario. So just how does it feel like they hired a coach that really is all in on whatever roster direction they decide to go in?
1: Yeah, that was the most interesting thing from my perspective. I think McDonough was really open and um, I think he was excited. I, I felt that he was really Happy that we were all getting to, to hear from Kakashka for the first time and, you know, kind of in on the, the secret that they've had, I guess you could say. Like, he, they keyed on Kate so early in the coaching process, it, it seems like now, and we're kind of getting to see what was so intriguing about him. He told us off uh, in that individual conversation after the press conference that one of the things that stuck out about Kukushka when they were talking um to the, you know, however many couple dozen uh, not couple dozen, about a dozen or fifteen candidates that they that they spoke with in the process that he he brought was a lot of the guys from what McDonough said were you know, and you can kind of imagine who those guys were that, that said I have my system. It works. I'm gonna make it as easy as possible for a Devin Booker or a Josh Jackson to fit into that system, but we will be running what I run, and uh, I, that McDonough said that what stuck out about Igor was that he was from the beginning open to not only you know big roster overhaul, but creating a system and and mal- a malleable system that could change based on what whatever talent was in in place or whatever skills the players added. I think that's really valuable, and it was actually shocking to hear it put so bluntly that so many coaches for a young team were kind of not willing to do that or maybe not as willing as as Igor was but um that that's what really stuck out to me from from hearing that and I think for sure it does seem like there's going to be a pretty decent amount of personnel change uh from what everyone was saying
0: outside of personnel change do you feel like we I heard I thought we heard this so many times in the press conferences development and that timeline is still about three to because I know Igor when he first said like this is a the good, good day for the Phoenix Suns to look back on this three to five years from now. So just they're sticking with that long term vision, that timeline that they have of developing these players. So do you feel like maybe context clues wise, trying to read through all the press conference transcriptions and all, do you feel like maybe they they know what they're doing at this at this stage and they seem ready to just fully fully commit onto that?
1: Yeah, I think I mean how many times did McDonough say? we set a three-year goal, and and we're at the end of this three years. It's go time. Yeah, he he said it over and over and over. Um, And I don't even, you know, my read on it wasn't that he was saying it as far as, as like, I need to act, otherwise I'm going to lose my job. I think that's something Suns fans are constantly worried about, and understandably so. But to me, when he was saying that, it really was, like, let's – Let's see what we can make happen now. We're at the point with our assets, with the young talent. They feel like they have, where you know it's it's time in their minds to make that jump, and they you know now they seem to have their coach. I mean, that's been the case two times before under McDonough, so it's it, it's okay to worry, I think. But it seems like from his perspective at least, talking to him that he's willing to go all in to make it work, well, personnel wise.
0: Now, before we actually record this podcast, recording around like 3 o'clock Arizona time, Igor came on Burns and Gamble around 2.45, so I had the chance to listen to that, and he he talked a little bit more about Luka Doncic with John Gamador and Dave Burns, and he mentioned about, it was really interesting to talk about how if he was mentally strong for the NBA yet, and he pretty much mentioned about just how he's become, he's really blown through all the obstacles put in front of him, and how he's one of the more mentally strong guys he's been around, so... Trying to read through, like I mentioned earlier in my last question, just the context clues from today. I've seen it so many things about versatility, perimeter-oriented, all all the things about Luka as far as Igor on Burns and Gambo and all that. Just Obviously, there's, there's two guys on the top of their board between DeAndre and Luka Doncic, but from everything that's been said today and as far as Igor's offense, the vision they have, the modern-day construction are doing it, as far as trying to mimic Golden State and Boston, does it seem to you that if they do get the number one pick that it seems at this point that – because also Igor mentioned in his interview with Gamadoro how they seem like they might be one little piece away. So do you feel like maybe this might be a, a Luka Doncic sort of situation where I feel like if he gets drafted here, it might be the perfect situation as far as like give him the keys and now we're going to be in overdrive as far as getting into our vision as versatile as possible?
1: Yeah, I, I think when we were talking at the conference, like it's it's really tough to hear Kokoshev talk about what he wants to do and how he wants to run things and imagine, really, how DeAndre Ayton fits into that. And it's not to say that he couldn't or that, you know, like we just talked about, he, he Igor definitely did say multiple times today that he's willing to be flexible, and that was what McDonough loved about him. Like, we said all that. That's true, and that could obviously—I I, I think he could make that talent work. But to me, I really—I don't see how at least you could favor Ayton over Doncic hearing what we heard from the new coach of the Suns today. And so you even could drop the connection – it's impossible to do so – but you could drop the connection between Igor and and Luca that exists right now from a coaching standpoint, having coached him last year, and just look at what he – systematically what he wants to do and still feel like that's the best match. Um, And then if you think about it too, part of the reason – that I was so excited about what Igor does offensively is that I don't really think Booker or Jackson are guys who, like I said, can create their shot consistently at an elite efficient level at this point. So the offensive system doing that for them helps, but you still need an an initiator um, regardless of that. Ideally it comes a little bit from everybody on the team, but to put somebody in that system like Doncic who can, you know, turn the key in the ignition uh, is pretty exciting and to have that potential to add that guy right now. I think, you know, everybody in the franchise should be pretty excited and I guess, you know, that adds some extra weight to to what what comes tomorrow. But for now, let's just let's just be excited about today.
0: Oh, for sure. Uh, look at the clock right now. We're about twenty five hours away from the pivotal moment for the Suns this off season. It's really gonna dictate how the rest of the off season goes in my opinion. If they get one to two, I think it's gonna stick the status quo, but if they do drop to three or four I think there's gonna be a lot of interesting things that might go down with the Suns but Really quickly, I know McDonough brought up in his press conference as well about he's committed to balancing out the roster. He's been saying that really since February, since they really, they were going on their downhill spiral. They lost about 25 of the last 31 games, something like that. But McDonough said he's committed to balancing out the roster next year, win now talent, and they will explore trade possibly this summer. So, and when McDonough, I think you left before then, but McDonough at the very end of our conversation with me and Dave King and Greg Moore from Arizona, AZ Central, I asked him a question about just like assets and stuff like that and how how to be able to flip the switch to next year because he's mentioned flipping the switch before in the past and he mentioned he mentioned. He, I don't know if he meant to say it or not, but he pretty much said outside of Booker, Jackson, our top pick, everything's going to be pretty much on the table. So he kind of – that sounds like three untouchable pieces right there as far as Booker, Jackson, and the top pick they're going to have. So outside of that, a, it's, it just seems like everything is going to be a fire sale – not a fire sale, but it seems like if they want to improve the roster so fast, guys like Marquise Chris, TJ Warren – Drug and bender are going to be up for sale if they're if they aren't for the task for the next six or so weeks.
1: Yeah, that, that's the other thing to mention, I guess, is um, McDonough was. I mean, I kind of asked him like, how do you balance out the? Because everybody all, all, all throughout the morning was talking about how they expect a lot of development. I think that's you know really what Kokoshkov has shown himself. Uh, even aside from scheming and offense, is the player development. That's what he gained his reputation for throughout the league uh, in all of his different stops. And so, okay, you have this this bucket of unshaped players, young guys that that we don't know about, working right now on their game, and and you have to make a decision about that on July 1st or, or sooner how do you balance that out? And he basically said, well, there's guys working right now, and you know they're going to be in the building with you or for now until those decisions come, you know, end of June, early July. And so, I mean, I do not envy those guys that are working right now to have to prove themselves. But um, I think that it's the right thing from McDonough's perspective to, to do things that way. It's just pretty crazy to imagine how that's going. Um, I think, though, I wouldn't even – necessarily feel like josh jackson's untouchable that that kind of surprises me that he was willing to go that far because some of the pieces that might be available this summer i think would require josh jackson to get them but you know maybe he's assuming that's not going to happen or he'll just cross that bridge when he comes to it i don't really know
0: yeah maybe he's hoping for them to land top two because i agree i think jackson if they are going to trade for let's say a Kawhi Leonard superstar type of guy it's going to take josh jackson guarantee that because he's going to be the main piece going on that deal alongside a bevy of draft picks but as far as the Kakashkov press conference goes, is there any final takeaways you had from it? Because for me, I, it was pretty exciting to see just him talk about a vision that pr- pretty much we've been talking about all season as far as building out this team, really resetting the culture. And it pretty much just off first impression, seems like the cr- really all- correct guy for the job. Yeah,
1: I would agree with that. I think um, to the impression I already had, and uh, I think that it's, it was nice to hear that McDonough and Jones were attracted to the same things about Kukushka that you and I were that, you know, fans seem to be is just like you're saying, implement that culture, create a, a system that's going to help the players get better and, and be put in easier situations than they have been the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, I guess it also maybe it solidified a little bit with the types of players they'll be looking looking for going forward and that's a little bit of nice clarity as we head into the offseason as well
0: yeah i feel like when McDonough spoke with me and you afterwards and alongside other people he mentioned just filling that versatile versatile vision like i've been mentioning all podcasts going after long lanky guys who can cover the perimeter i think it's gonna be one of the main things i'm looking forward to and that points to guys for in my opinion like luke richard on Mute dante x and those are i think those are guys to watch now as far as the summary goes but Looking ahead to tomorrow's draft lottery, it's like we mentioned at the top of the podcast, it's going to sell the entire domino effect for the Austin for the Phoenix Suns if it goes very well. If they land top two, I think it goes status quo. But if they do go drop to three or four, I think that could be a really bad night for the Suns fans. I know Brennan and I will be there and we'll see the initial reaction from Suns fans at the draft party. So just what's your thoughts going into it? Because now we're, this is gonna be our last episode for the lottery happens. So our next episode will be the immediate reaction from tomorrow night. So just looking forward to it. What What are you looking forward to? Because for me, it's at this point just nervousness. Because this I feel like from the, a writer's perspective, from my point of view, from the outside looking, I, I moved here from Indiana a couple of years ago, and from seeing a team like Phoenix has been doomed as far as bad luck. I feel like this this seems like the summer that they're finally do some good luck. But what's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, nervousness is is exactly right. I don't, you know, it's it's funny. <laughs> It just shows how crazy of a league the NBA is. I think that somehow an event where people pull ping pong balls out of a basket is one of the, like the most hyped up events of the entire year. Um, it's, just, it's it's going to be fun regardless of what happens. Um, McDonough told us today that Jim Pittman, who's the CFO of, of the Suns and the GM of the Mercury, will be in the actual room for them tomorrow night. I asked him about it after when I was at Media Day for the Mercury, like you mentioned, and he just chuckled and um, he said uh, they ended up with two of the best players in WNBA history, and Brittany Griner and Diana Rossi, when he was in the room for them. So I guess maybe that's our good luck charm. That's the, that's the best we can hope for. They're changing it up. I don't know who was in there um, in prior years, but whoever it was sucked. So, you know, they're changing to Pittman. We'll see what happens.
0: Uh, at this point, just what's your optimum, ideal outcome for the lottery, and what's your worst case scenario? Because I feel like we have the same answer, but I'll, I'll let you go first.
1: I think. Well, I think two would be stressful. I, obviously, I think you'd say one is best and four is worst, yeah. but two would be two would be a weird position because then you're just praying that. I mean, we would be praying that they. That the first team, Grizzlies or whoever it is, would would pick Aiton. But whoever it is, whatever side of the, the Isle Suns fans fall in with this, it's just then you're just hoping the other team doesn't take your guy. That kind of is not great. If, I feel like three, you're kind of getting your first pick out of the rest of the draft in a way. If it really does end up going one, two, like we think it will, then you're kind of setting the tone for the rest of it. So in a way, that's that's not too awful. But I think two would actually maybe be worse than three. I don't know. Maybe that's just completely ridiculous.
0: But No, for, from my point of view, I feel like th- anything below top two is a bad scenario for the Suns because I feel like I obviously don't know with, without being in the room or anything, but I feel like at this point Aiden and Donchard that the clear two top two prospects in this draft. It really reminds me of, 2000. I think it was 2007 when Odin and... Kevin Durant wearing there, and I feel like we're having the same sort scenario unfolding with the Suns as far as I don't want them to get one because I feel like they'll make the mistake because it's just a typical Suns thing. But do you have do you have that same sort of feeling like you don't want to get one just because like if the other guy's a superstar and the other guy's a bust, it's just a a typical Suns thing. Well,
1: it'll suck in hindsight if that's how it happens, but I mean in the moment, I'm definitely not gonna. Cheer for uh, the second overall pick. Yeah, we have to win. <laughs> we have to yeah, win this thing because they uh, otherwise, otherwise, it's going to feel a lot stupider. Um, I think if you just lose the lottery and never had the chance at that guy, rather than oh, we picked the wrong one. I, we've had too much bad luck. I just we we need uh, we need all the everything we can get on our side I think tomorrow night and I did you get the email that they announced that James Jones will be there tomorrow night too instead of just like a conference call like it was supposed to be
0: oh that's nice then yeah that is nice because I know yeah
1: so it was supposed to just be like we call in and talk to McDonough from Chicago but Jones will be there so that's cool
0: no and the caveat was unless they get the number one pick too so hopefully that's still the case with James Jones that unless it's the number one pick that he'll still be able to talk to us whether it's two through four but it's gonna be a really fun night tomorrow. Everyone, for thanks everyone for listening in to this short episode. We had some quick thoughts on the Igor hire, alongside our final draft lottery thoughts before the lottery balls go down tomorrow. And I have five o'clock Arizona time. So, Brennan, do you have any sort of any sort of calming thoughts for the listeners out there as they're anxiously awaiting tomorrow's lottery?
1: I would just say whatever uh, whatever soothes you, be it alcohol or um, highlights of Steve Nash or I don't, I don't know, locking yourself in a quiet room. Um, do whatever it takes and then whatever positive juju you can send to Chicago from your residence, we will all be doing that. Freena, if, if, uh, if you live in Phoenix, because that'd be fun too everyone will hopefully a lot of people will be there and celebrate if it
0: goes well yeah at this point i think both me and you both are hoping that we have come tuesday night the Aiden versus donches discussion and we finally kick off that Aiden versus donches discussion for the next five or so weeks compared to maybe triple j versus Bomba, that'd be a sudden turn i don't want to take
1: yes exactly
0: all right appreciate everyone listening in we'll be back with you guys tomorrow for our lottery reactions